Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the 211 Renault and Dacia range. Get your car delivered to you in just a couple of clicks. Call us today to find out more or visit blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Midweek Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us again this afternoon. Coming up on today's show, we're going to the States to get reaction uh, to the conviction of Derek Chauvin uh, yesterday, late yesterday evening. I was watching it live as it happened uh, to see what's happening on the ground there today. John Shanahan will be joining us hopefully a little bit later on in the show. The Glenn Campbell story continues. I have a song that really sums the man himself up today. Fergus Grimes is with us searching for jobs with no success. Now he's working for himself. We're going to hear all about it. They're on their way. There's some of them here. There was early arrivals. The bulk of them are still to come. What am I talking about? Well, you should know what the state swallows. Swifts and Martins and Nile Hatch from Birdwatch will be with us too on the show today. If you want to join in the conversation, don't forget the numbers as usual. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show directly here or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Now, the vaccinations are progressing and we're making progress, certainly, against COVID-19. And it's looking like uh, there's going to be even more opening up of life and society over the coming weeks here in Ireland. It's good news. It really is. But a year ago, or just over a year ago, it was very, very frightening for everybody. And I'll still remember that first lockdown when really... The streets were deserted, places were deserted. It was shockingly eerie and we didn't know what to expect. And for anybody who was unfortunate enough to contract COVID, it was a very, very difficult time. And last year, after he spent a lot of time in hospital and got back home, I spoke to Pat Harty and he told me a story. Today, the 21st of April, is the anniversary by date that Pat was taken to hospital and it didn't look good. Thank God it looks good today. He's on the line. Hello again, Pat. How are you, Jerry? How are you? I'm good, and it's great to be talking to you. On this poignant day and anniversary, just before we talk about the day itself, would you just remind listeners, did this come upon you suddenly, Pat, or had you been feeling unwell for a little while? Well, it was last last year, Good Friday, actually. Um, woke up in the morning feeling very tired and thought nothing of it, went to work. And over that weekend, that Easter weekend, um, just retired to bed, 
feeling very, very tired. Um, couldn't shake it off at all. So, to cut a long story short, I suppose I spent um, the good for 10 days in bed and uh, contacted the doctor. And the doctor says, look, we're going to send you down a monitor to monitor your blood pressure and um, your oxygen levels. So after 24 hours, I rang him back with the results. And he said, look, I have an ambulance there at the house for you um, in the next five or 10 minutes. So... Um, that was a Tuesday, the 21st of April. Um, I went to hospital and spent probably three or four days recuperating there. Wasn't in really a serious condition and things turned on the Friday and I got into difficulty and by Saturday at lunchtime, um, it just it, the way it worked out was uh, Pamela, my wife, was called up to the hospital uh, to be told that I only had a couple of hours to live and that's how quickly it it happened. Um, I got into a lot of difficulty in, uh, on Saturday and um, there was no going back. They'd done everything they could for me and um, they, they took me out of ICU and down to a ventilator and they said, basically, this is it, Pat. You're, you're going on a journey now. Um, we don't think you're going to make us, but we're going to make you as comfortable as we possibly can. So if there's anything you want to say to your, your your children or your wife, and they gave me a phone, which at that particular point I couldn't breathe. Um, it was in a very bad way. And I went on a 15-day a journey on a ventilator, and luckily for me, I came out of it. Um, don't know how I came out of it. The doctor still can't tell me how I came out of it. I just turned the corner, and on the 14th day, um, gradually started to get oxygen into me and um, made a recovery to be discharged at a hospital on the 28th of May. It's a remarkable story, Pat. It, it really is, and you tell it so well. When they said those words to you, you're fully conscious. You know what they're saying to you. You understand. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're fully conscious. You have a mask on your face. Um, they're trying to get oxygen into you. And um, a lot of things go through your, your mind. They're saying this is your deathbed. Like, a lot of things go through your mind, you know, and... Uh, you really, you really aren't with it. Um, like it's, it's just something that you don't anticipate happening at such an early. Like I'm what 54, and um, I definitely didn't anticipate that happening. I'm uh, at that particular time before when in the hospital. I was very, very mobile, very mm. fit, um, never sick in my life. Yeah. Um, but I just. To this day, I can't tell you where I got it, how I picked it up. It's just one of those things. Yes, and that was a question I was going to ask you. You've answered it. You can never, and you haven't been able to pinpoint that since. And it just shows you how virulent this can be and invisible, and it can happen absolutely anywhere. You know, when you, I think I mentioned this to you before, you went on that 15-day journey. You didn't know much about it. You were out of it, of course. Others were praying, and I know faith. You have great, you have great faith as a family, Pamela and yourself and the family. And uh, she told me since that faith it was that brought Pat Harty through this. Do you remember, you know, sort of realising then, I, I'm still here, I'm, I'm back after that time when you were away? Um, well, the only... I suppose recollection I would have, and it's it was a nice thing to be done. It's it's a small book that the the Lord's I don't know whether they do it anywhere else, but the Lord's Hospital, all of the doctors and nurses that were looking after you, they do um, a kind of a missing day booklet, and they put all of the I suppose the eight hour shifts that they have done over those 
15 days that you spent on a ventilator, they've written down the notes as how you progressed, uh, whether you were high, whether you were low, who rang to, 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 you know, to send their wishes to you or whatever. Everything was documented. So I had that to look back on mm. when I actually came back out of the, the, the type of comatose uh, condition it was in. So piecing together the jigsaw, um, there was days there, you know, you start, you know, having nightmares about things that you were thinking about, I suppose, while in a coma and that. Now, that takes a while to, to shake off. And believe me, um, I just still have nightmares about it. Um, little things trigger it. You could be watching the television news. Different people that would be similar to yourself um, will trigger different things. So um, I suppose, yeah, I pick, pick, kind of pieced it all together. Mm. And of course, the family here went through another ordeal. The fact that they only got one phone call a day to tell to tell them whether I was alive or dead. And that just was the way it was then. There was no visiting. And um, they got their FaceTime call maybe in the evening time every day to, to show me the condition I was in. And I was pretty, pretty low over that two-week period. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a miracle, Jerry. to be mm. honest with you. How I got out of it, I don't know how I got out of it, but um, something happened. Yes. And as you said, divine inspiration, it must have been. I had a lot of people praying for me, but that's, that's, uh, that's what I finally believe. It was something like that now that took me out of it. And um, yeah. Praise be the Lord. Yeah, well, Pat, that's the words to say. It certainly is. And uh, there's no other, there's not actually a, a medical or scientific explanation for it. But no. here you are. Now, look, it's a yeah. year on from that fateful day when you were taken yeah. by ambulance in a hurry uh, to the hospital. How are you now? Because we did touch base. I, uh, listeners know this in the no. interim, you and I, on a couple of occasions. But yeah. how are you a year on? Has it, You mentioned the nightmares at times when you think about that time you were in the coma. Have you any other, you know, um, oh, I do, I do. Mm. Um, I suppose the positives out of what I've, what I've, I've faced. Um, I suppose I'm alive today. I'm, I'm mobile for short periods. Um, most of the long-term effects that I have currently have now been identified and treated, but the treatment is ongoing. Um, like this is my life now, and uh, I just live in hope that over time the effects will diminish. But the negative, the the, the negative. Uh, parts, I suppose, is just the persistent respiratory symptoms I have, the pulmonary fibrosis, which is basically scarring of the lung or lungs. Um, I had a collapsed lung during the couple of days before um, I went on the ventilator. But the breathlessness and the fatigue and joint pain and probably the lack of sleep. I don't get much sleep now, to be honest with you, because of uh, joint pain and uh, muscle mass deterioration. I uh, would have a lot of pain and joints and that, but um, if I go to bed, we'll say in the night time, if you have your phone and you charge your phone overnight, it's 100% when you get up in the morning. But my body, when I recharge it, it's about 30% when I get up in the morning. So if I use up that 30%, I have to go for a nap, which I normally do now around 12 or half 12, and just recharge myself up to get me through the rest of the day. So I've been doing that now and that's become kind of part of my day. Um, I would find it very hard to do the daily chores that you would normally do and simple things like leaving out bins or, you know, 
probably taking the dishes out of the dishwasher, like any any sort of chore like that now is is um, is you know it's 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 hard to actually do yeah. them all at once. I have to space them out over the, the period of the day, but the the lack of sleep. Um, is a, is a big one because you're you're completely drained and mm. it's just it's just one of those things. It's a common denominator with a lot of people that are on that this type of road I'm on over a long period of time. Some people call it long COVID, but I suppose you know the doctors are learning off the likes of myself and all the other people that are still out of work or you know have had a long trip after a ventilator, but. Um, at the end of the day, they're learning off us because of what we're going through, yeah. and they're trying to treat us uh, at this time. You know, so it's a kind of a two-way street. Mm. You know, Pat, I think today of people who dismiss this. You know what I'm talking about? People who don't yeah. believe it's real. People who have, uh, you know, theories about this. Those words you've yeah, just like, spoken and description just bring it all home about the seriousness yeah, like, of it. I, I, I can tell you that at the time before I had COVID. There was no, there was no way I would have believed you if, I, if you said to me that I was going to get it. Um, I was very careful at home, very careful at work. Didn't branch off that track home to work every day, and that's just the way it was. Um, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, I suppose you can pick it up anywhere. It's still there. Yep. It's it's still there more so than it ever was. I mean, it's just not in this part of the world as much now, but you go across to India, we'll say now, and look at the figures over there at the moment now. It's it's stifling, you know? Yes. Um, but, like, you know, we've managed it over the, over, the, over the year. We've managed it pretty good, I think, you know, mm. but there is the chance now that it could spiral out of control again, you know, but I think we have learned our lesson. And there's a lot of things happening now, obviously, with the vaccine and that. Yes. You You got the vax yourself. I did. I got it uh, on the 27th of March, probably just due to critical care patients in the Lourdes. And I got it. And um, yeah, I had about two or three days of it felt like a bad hangover or a bad flu. But uh, yeah, came through it okay, And um, I'm due to be vaccinated now in uh, I think it's end of June. Yeah. The second shot you'll get then the and shot, that will leave yeah. you you fully yeah. covered at that yeah. stage. Um, you know, when you say those words to me again, you just hang on everything you say when you were told you have only hours, you've got to f- talk to your family, make your arrangements and yet here you are over 12 months on still finding, you know, finding life difficult and as, as you uh, said a moment ago there to me. But glad to be alive. Yeah, glad to be alive, Pat. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I suppose things have changed an awful lot in the last few months. I suppose there is a lot of people out there like myself, mm. and the only thing that you know, positive thing that I would like to come, if there's anybody out there, the only recommendation I would make is if the likes of the HSE, if they could establish a, a dedicated health unit to research the long-term effects of COVID-19 and mm. to support patients like myself suffering from the consequences of of the disease months after contracting it. Um, it's something that should be really looked at now because yes. there is a lot of people out there with what I have and they have, it's not that they've nowhere to go, but there should be some sort of, I mean, we have different centres for cancer and for all of the other illnesses. This is definitely one now that will be, um, you know, should be looked at and it should be addressed. 
Oh, definitely, Pat. And there are so many, as you say, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to us today can empathise with what you say and hadn't have been affected by it. Look, you're a great fella and you're doing well, you know, and it's not easy and you have those challenges, but you're one man who's always been up for a challenge in your life. You proved it a year ago and you're proving it every day since uh, since you got home. I I wish you the very best, Pat. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for joining me again on the show. Thanks a million. No problem. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Pat Harty there. He's a remarkable man. He really is. And so honest and forthright in reminiscing and uh, throwing uh, his thoughts back to bringing them back uh, about a year ago on this day when he was carted to hospital and they didn't give him much hope. But there he is. And he's a positive story and an encouraging story as well, isn't he, for... You, if you find yourself in the midst of this at the moment or it might touch you in the future or you've been through it in the past. If you have or if you've anything to say, I'd love to hear from you in the show. If you have a similar story to Pat or can empathise or want to send wishes to him, please get in touch with us on the show today. Love to hear from you every single day. Part and parcel you are of Late Lunch, remember, 086-1800-658. 086-1800-658. You can text or WhatsApp me now to the show. Or if you'd like to call in, it's 1850-715-958. John uh, has been on to us to say, isn't Pat Harty such uh, a wonderful man? There had to be somebody looking out for him on the other side. All right, Jerry. Thanks indeed for that. And Moira is on as well to say, what a remarkable man, Pat Harty. Wish him well for the future. So honest. Yes, he's so honest, so forthright, and explained it so well, didn't he, about what happened to him a year ago and subsequently in the hospital. Louise, hello. Are you with me? Just about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm getting me jab. Are you? I am. I'm getting me jab just Where? to let everybody know. Well, it'll either be in the arse or the, uh, <laughs> the arm. Where? In the I arm, meant, I'm sure. I meant in Drogheda, yeah. in the hospital and GP. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm getting it. I'm getting it uh, with my GP this afternoon. Right after the show today, I'm getting the jab, uh, the vaccine. And uh, looking forward to it. I welcome it. I'm so appreciative of it. I'm getting it because I have an underlying condition. And uh, that's why I'm in at this stage of the vaccination programme and only too happy to take it. And I'll let you know how I'm feeling and everything. Please, God, tomorrow and in the day subsequently. So there you are. I'm getting the vaccination. You should too. What about this day? It's a very big day, isn't it, Louise? For Queen Elizabeth II, because did you know that it's our birthday? Oh. And oh. our first one without our husband. Very sad. 73 years, who was laid to rest at the weekend. Mm. Yes, it's our birthday today. She's 95. Do you know wow. that she is the longest serving head of state in the history of the world? Oh, wow. I thought uh, it was yes. the Queen Mother, but she's no. not. No, she's gone by. Victoria, I think, was uh, the previous longest serving, Queen Victoria. Uh, but she went by that a long time ago, well past her record. But she now is holds that record in the world. You know, she was only 25 when she was made queen. 25 she years of age. She was so young. She was thrust in there because, you know, her father, uh, King George VI, only became king because Edward abdicated for Mrs. Simpson. So they weren't so, ready. Uh, you know, it was never, you know, mm. and he had daughters and she was uh, the eldest at the time and she became queen. When you look How back, did they take it, I wonder? You know, the, the daughters that would have went on queen after if mm. Edward had stayed. 
And was there ever uh, a... Well, oh, yeah. I, 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 now, that's something I can't tell you. I'm not that much into it, but it's something... That's interesting to see that had he said who would be what, but I'm sure you could find that out easy enough. Anyway, she took the crown at that stage and she celebrated her Silver Jubilee in 1977. I remember that. I think that was the year that Virginia Wade won Wimbledon. <laughs> see? Yeah, I'm nearly sure I'm right there because that was the great thing. It was the Queen's Silver Jubilee and Victoria won Wimbledon. She was the first English woman to win it in Yonks. I don't think it hasn't been won by an English woman since. It certainly hasn't. A Golden Jubilee 2002 and the last celebration was the Diamond Jubilee in 2012. And you were asking me, you know, they normally have these big celebrations. Yeah, uh, street parties and stuff and you yeah. see all the flags and the whole lot. Next year. 2022. What, se- what what do you celebrate at that stage? You know, it's another 10 years on from Diamond. I will check that out anyway. That'll be next year and they'll have all the big parties then. You know, of course, you had four children, Charles, Anne, Andrew and Edward. You don't ever hear much about Edward, do you? I think Edward and his, wa- is his wife Sophie, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah, they came to the fore during the funeral because oh, Sophie's now pushed to the front. She's yeah. now... yeah. Um, so top the, at the top of the pile in terms of favouritism. Oh, I see. I see. There you go. Anyway, mm. uh, happy birthday, Elizabeth, today. <laughs> it's her birthday, 95 years of age this very day. While Royal Watchers will be really happy. We're heading towards news and weather at two. Nile Hatch is with us afterwards. Yes, it's Swallows, Swifts and Martins. But taking us there, yeah, this is my song for today. They're jabbing. They're jabbing. Come on, Bob. Let's be having you. We're jabbing. Yeah, jabbing. 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 Shaking jabbing. tomorrow. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> anyway, you can take the mic. Jerry, listening to Pat talking about his experience with COVID-19, this time last year, I was also in the Lourdes Hospital. I was isolated for 10 days. However, I didn't need to go on a ventilator. One year on, I experienced the tiredness, mobility issues, and have recently been told I have to get a hearing aid in both ears. They told me hearing loss is something else people are experiencing post-COVID. Thank God I am a survivor and wish everyone else who went through COVID-19 a better future. Thank you indeed for that lovely message this afternoon, Evelyn. I really do appreciate it. And I wish you well too. Jerry. just a recommendation. Take a couple of paracetamol before your injection today and take them every four hours after until tomorrow evening. The best of luck and well done to you, uh, says a listener there. And more wishes coming in. Best of luck with the vaccine, Jerry. Oh, look, I'm looking forward to having it. And uh, it is the way out. I've mentioned it on many occasions here. It's proven. You can see in Israel, in the UK, in other countries where they have a high level of vaccinations, the infections are falling. And it is, the infections are falling here and the hospitalisations as well. And that really is positive news. Now, they're here and they've been here since the middle of March, would you believe it, in some instances. But they're certainly arriving more and more each day. What am I talking about? Well, it can't be visitors or they'd have to quarantine. But can I tell you this? The Swifts, the Swallows and the House Martins and the San Martins, I better not forget them as well, don't have to quarantine at all. They come straight in and they set up shop and away they go. And to talk to me for the next while is a great friend of the shows. He's a wonderful guy. Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland is with me again. Hello, Niall. 
Hello, it's great to be back. Thank you. Thank you for joining me again on the show today. Well, look, uh, Niall, we've been getting reports here since the middle of March of the odd sighting and then a few more. I mention it, of course, regularly from time to time here. And at the weekend, I definitely saw my first. I think they were Martins rather than Swallows, where I live on the northern environs of Drogheda. So maybe you just uh, take us through that arrival pattern. They're coming, but the bulk's still to come. That's absolutely right. Yes. So there is a very staggered way to the way the different species do it. So um, there are four species we're talking about here, as you said, which can look quite similar. The first to arrive is always the sand martin. The first ones usually arrive around St. Patrick's Day. So some of them would have been with us for over a month already. Uh, They're uh, a member of the swallow family. They're uh, sort of sandy brown above. They're white below and they have a brown band running across their chest uh, and a little short forked tail. And they don't really nest around houses at all. They nest inside uh, cliff faces and muddy riverbanks where they excavate tunnels. So they're often the first ones to arrive. Then um, around now, over the last couple of weeks, we still, you know, up until now, we start to get the first swallows and the first house martins coming in. So the swallow, a lot of people will be familiar with them. They look very dark above normally, almost black. When you see them up close, they're actually a very dark, glossy blue, sort of metallic color. It's very attractive. They have red faces, which is a way to tell them apart from any of the other species that we're talking about here. Then they're white below, uh, and they have very long tail, very long forked tail with a streamer coming off each corner, like a little needle point. Mm. So uh, that, uh, that, that's quite distinctive. And they'll often perch on wires and they'll twitter away at this time of year. And they always build their nests out of um, mud mixed with bits of grass and straw inside a structure, like a barn or in a shed or a porch. So they're often known as the barn swallow for that reason. Then we have the house martin, which arrives around the same time. They're streaming into Ireland as we speak. Uh, They're like the swallow in some respects, and they're in the same family. Glossy blue above again, but they're completely white below, including on the face. The face is white rather than red. They have a short little forked tail, a bit like the sand martins. It doesn't have the long streamers of the swallow. And crucially, on their on their back, the, 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 the top surface of the body, the wings and back, is very, very dark, except for their lower back, the rump patch, just above their tail, where it looks like a white sugar cube, a white square on the lower back. So that's a good way to tell them apart. And they build a nest made out of pure mud uh, under the eaves of a house. House. So they're always outside the structure. The swallows are inside the structure. But the house martins are outside the structure, uh, building those mud nests under the eaves, often in a colony. And then the fourth species that you mentioned is the swift. Now, the swift is a superb flyer. They're, they're one of the last migrants to arrive. They haven't come to us yet. They always arrive in May. And they, they have the, the, the shortest period in Ireland as well because they leave us in August, whereas the other ones don't normally leave until September or even into October. So the swifts aren't with us for very long. Uh, you'll never see them land. So the previous three species I mentioned will often perch on wires or even land on the ground. Swifts will never do that. You only ever see them high in the sky, flying around, making a screaming noise. Sometimes they swoop low over lakes and rivers to try and get some, some insects that might be coming up, but you'll never see them land uh, because they're not actually capable of taking off again if they've been grounded. They're very weak little feet. They couldn't perch on a, on a wire. The only reason that species lands is actually to go and lay its eggs in and then care for the chicks inside a roof space. So high in an attic, a church spire, or indeed special boxes. It's a species we're concerned about. It's on the red list now in Ireland following the report that we we, we issued there last week. Uh, And uh, so putting up boxes to help them can really help. And the swift, it's bigger than the previous three species I mentioned. It's all dark, um, a little tiny white throat, but you wouldn't really notice that unless you're right beside it. And big, big, long swept back wings. They look like scythes or sickles in the sky. So quite different from the others in terms of the way that, uh, that the wing shape is. And they're the four species. And we're asking people when they see their first of the year along with the cuckoo uh, to report them to us at 
springalive.net. It's a project that we run uh, and we get great data on the arrival of those birds, which is why I can tell you when we expect them to arrive. It's because people let us know when they see them. <laughs> and that is so important, folks. Springalive.net. When you spot them, let Birdwatch know because it really is so helpful with the information. You've described them brilliantly there. I know people can't uh, actually get their heads around the swift, not ever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, landing or flying perpetually and only stopping to nest and with chicks. It's incredible, isn't it, Niall? Oh, it is. I can't get over it myself and I've been watching them all my life. They really, they, 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 it just doesn't seem possible that a bird could spend so much time on the wing. The thing that blows my mind about swifts, they're going soon in the coming weeks and months, they're going to be nesting in, in roost bases and nest boxes all around Ireland. And those chicks will stay in the boxes. They won't have seen the outside world. And what they're doing, only cameras have just shown us this in recent years, they do push-ups on the ground when they're inside the box or inside the nesting space to strengthen up their flight muscles. It just instinct tells them to do this. Um, and then what they do is on a, on, uh, on a calm autumn or let's say evening, maybe sometime in August, what they do is at the end of the summer, they'll go to the edge of the box and they'll see the hole there and something will tell them they have to jump. And they just fall out of the hole and they start plummeting through the air. They put their wings out and then it's, they take a few seconds to right themselves, get the hang of it, and then it's straight off to Africa. Isn't, um, the that, parents isn't that something else? It really is. It's incredible. And it just shows you nature, the power of nature, and what lies within every uh, creature and life form on this planet. Now, some questions that listeners have been uh, uh, throwing at us just for you, knowing you were coming today. <laughs> they want to know, you know, how far do they travel from their winter homes in Africa to summer here and how long does it take them? There are two questions I'm paraphrasing that I have here. Well, it's a really interesting one. So let's take the swallows first. We know that Ireland swallows, they spend uh, our winter, the southern summer, right down in southern Africa. So around South Africa, um, Namibia, um, some maybe in Botswana, that kind of area. So they have a long distance to go and then they come back. So that's a different distance of of over 10,000 kilometres. It's a huge huge trek to get back to Ireland. And they don't go direct, of course. They'll weave around wherever the best best feeding is. Uh, The sand martins, they're a bit more widespread through Africa. Some of them might go as far south as that. Some of them might spend it closer to Sahara, but they, they do we're still talking thousands of kilometers and the amazing thing about the house martin is we don't actually know where they go Uh, this is an amazing mystery Uh, the fact is that they the one of the birds that nest in my closest association with humans they always nest in our buildings around our our towns and our cities and all over farms all over ireland in the summer we see them everywhere and yet we haven't solved the mystery of where they disappear to somewhere in africa presumably one Mm. of the theories is perhaps somewhere in the congo rainforest maybe high in the skies over africa we don't know and the swifts their journey is the longest of all because from the time they've left ireland in in august uh to fly with them to returning in may they haven't landed at all they've flown constantly Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, that single flight would be, uh, because they're foraging, it could be hundreds of thousands of kilometres. Who knows? It's a huge, huge distance they cover. Isn't that just something else? And you mentioned that they stagger their journey here. Typically, do you know on average, say the swallows, let's take them because we know 10,000 kilometres. How long does it take them? Again, as far as we can tell, it differs from individual to individual. It takes them a few weeks, maybe up to a couple of months. Um, So we know that some of the ones in Southern Africa would set off um, maybe around February and start heading northwards. Um, Maybe even by some of them would go in January. We're still working this out. And within a few months, they're back up here in Ireland. Now, we can't be certain that those are the birds heading to Ireland. Tracking them with even with little transmitters, it's impossible. The technology just isn't there. It would be too heavy for those birds. So we're not able to track them individually 
quite yet. There's, there's moves in that direction. Hopefully we'll be able to do that soon. We have been able to do that with Swifts. Uh, so um, hopefully with the Swallow, which is a bit smaller, we can do that soon. But uh, it seems they can do it in the space of a, a, few, a couple of months. But obviously they're feeding as they go. They're stopping off and they're responding to the weather. So if the weather is, um, is particularly bad in an area, they'll, they'll pause for a while until it clears. They don't want to fly into storms. The biggest barrier they probably face is the Sahara Desert because there's no getting around that. You just have to mm. blast across it. There's nowhere to rest, nowhere to feed, nowhere to drink. And the sad thing is because of climate change and also poor agricultural practices, the Sahara is getting wider year on year. And that's an extra kilometer or so each year that these birds have to fly across, not once but twice because they go there and back. Uh, and more and more of them are failing to make it. It's, mm. uh, it's really a survival of the fittest. And that's one of the reasons why the population does seem to be declining of those birds. They've been hit quite hard. Uh, so I think that you know when we do see them coming back to us here in Ireland, we should have a lot of respect for what they've just been through. It's been you know, a pretty tough journey that they have. So even besides the swift that you mentioned is certainly on the red list. The other Swallowhouse Martin, San Martin, concern about the numbers returning each year? There is concern, yes. Um, so they're not faring as badly as the, uh, as the Swift is uh, yet, but we want to make sure that that remains the case, that, uh, that they continue to do well. The numbers are going down. And, uh, you know, to, to put it in perspective, just to show how high the mortality of them is, swallows, they don't, they're not terribly long-lived birds. They might live for four or five years. That's if they make it past their first year. The vast majority die in the first year. If they make it back to Ireland, uh, well, they've learned the tricks. They've proven that they're, they're fit and healthy. So they may have another, another three or four years after that to, to breed. During the course of that, they'll nest as much as they can during the summer. So unlike some birds like the blue tit, which just have one clutch of eggs each summer and raise one brood of chicks, what the swallows will do is they'll have two, three, or even four, if the weather conditions are good enough, during the Irish summer to have as many young as they can, and then they fly back to Africa. Now, if they do that for four or five years in a row, they could have, oh, they could have over 100 chicks. Let's say on average, they would have 100 chicks in their lifetime, each pair. Of those 100 chicks, on average, only two survive to adulthood to replace their parents in the population. Um, so the mortality rate is enormous. And look, you know, if, if more survived, we'd see a massive increase year on year. If three survives, the population would go up by 50% each year. We're not, you know, it's, it's been over millions of years of evolution. They've been balanced on that knife edge, but now things are going out of kilter. What's happening is they're finding fewer insects when they come back to us in Ireland. They're finding more unsettled weather, both in Ireland and on migration. They're finding that the Sahara, as I said, getting wider. They're finding, you know, getting over the Atlas Mountains in Morocco. It's trickier as well. All these things are hitting them at once. So it's, um, you know, they have a long journey um, ahead of them. And I find they went you know, each year and fewer and fewer are making it, sadly. And when they arrive here, uh, Louise and myself were talking about this actually yesterday, looking forward to you joining us. And Louise was saying to me, what happens if their habitat disappears? Say an old building is knocked down or there's development in an area that changes the landscape for these creatures and they arrive back because they do hone in and back to where they were reared themselves. What happens then? That's, that's absolutely right. I find it amazing that they can head after such a huge distance, they come back to within a few inches of where they were raised themselves. It's incredible. And the fact is, yes, you know, if, if that nesting site has disappeared, it pulls the rug out from underneath them because they have to find somewhere else where they can find the nest. And suitable nest sites can be in short supply. And the fact is, even if they could find those nest sites, they may already be occupied by other swallows. You know, if they're, if they're, if they're good enough for, for, for swallows, then they've probably already been taken by swallows. So it can be hard for them to find a space. So it does make it difficult for them. So we do ask where possible people should consider the, the welfare of these birds taking bearing in mind the distances they traveled how much energy that's cost them uh, and being a bit more compassionate to them when they do arrive back i mean developments do happen and buildings change but it is possible to incorporate as uh, nesting platforms for, for things like house martins and, and and for swallows it's it's also very possible to put the special bricks into a building or even nest boxes you fix after it's built to encourage swifts in they work very well 
and we have a lot of experience doing that with lots of local authorities across Ireland. Lots of Birdwatch Ireland branches have been involved in this uh, real movement to try and save the Swifts in Ireland. So there's things we can all do. And mm. obviously, progress happens, buildings need to change, but we can take account more account of the wildlife, I think, when we do that. PVC fascias and soffits are great for longevity and their lifetime job. Not good for uh, the birds we're talking about now. I've seen it myself where they come and they try to stick the nest. Now they cop on after a while, but it falls to the ground. Again, can you get round that? You can. And yes, I think that, you know... uh that, that's one of the, the sort of side effects of this, this slippery sort of plastic surface. The, the house martins can't, their nests just won't adhere to it. There are things you can do. You can put little ledges there that would at least give something a rougher surface for their, their nests to, to adhere to uh, and uh, that can help them. You can have uh, certain little protrusions that would be put installed as well or any rough spot that would help them to, to stick. That's something can be done when these things are being installed. I think it's a lot of, a lot of uh, builders and contractors aren't really aware of this being an issue. I think it's something that needs to be considered more and the fact is having these birds around is, is a big advantage because they eat an enormous amount of insects. So, um, you know, there's, uh, they consume a lot of mosquitoes, for example. A lot of people, I'm always surprised in Ireland, people think we don't have mosquitoes here. We have 20 different species of mosquito and I've been bitten by them many times. Uh, so on these summer evenings when we're spending a lot of time in our gardens, having a few house martins around and swallows as well to help eat those, that's not a bad thing at all. Uh, and I know that there can be droppings on the side of the house and people don't like that. Just to say those droppings are clean, there's no risk of any disease. I think that's a small price to pay. It's easy, they're easily hosed off and it's a small price to pay for, for having these magnificent birds that have travelled such a long way to come back to us. I see it as a real compliment to have them nest in our houses. I have many a war wound from the midge myself, uh, Niall, <laughs> I have to say, from days spent fishing wild places where they just come out at night and you can nearly hear them sucking the blood out of you. But you're right, they do a good job and it's important that we all think about them and in a farming context again all those insects are so important that we encourage them and that we have biodiversity so look they're here they're on the way report them if you see them springalive.net just before we go any cuckoo reportings yet Yes, we have. We had a few. So the, the, the cuckoos are, are, a few of them are in, but around now is usually the peak arrival time. So people should, over the course of the next week or so, should really start hearing them. Obviously, there are fewer cuckoos than there used to be. It's another species that's declined, but they are still present all across Ireland. Uh, and uh, the, the sound is obviously very distinctive and carries a long way. So the first confirmed record that we received into Spring Alive was actually in Galway on the 31st of March. Uh, and we've had several reports now, quite a few over the last week in particular. So if you haven't seen or heard one yet, hopefully you will very soon they're on the way ah they're on the way it's great to hear Niall thanks so much you're a fountain of knowledge and we love talking to you and I say to everybody again I'm a member myself do join Birdwatch Ireland all the information you get the publications keeping people in the loop it's a wonderful wonderful organisation and they're fighting on behalf of our feathered friends always and you know the joy they bring to all of us until the next time Niall Hatch I really do appreciate it Pleasure's all mine. Thank you very much indeed. Take care. That's Niall Hatch there from Birdwatch Ireland. Don't forget if you hear the cuckoo, cuckoo, let us know if you hear the cuckoo. You have hardly heard it, Louise, yourself, have you? No? Not yet, no. Yeah, well, keep an ear out. Not Everybody. the two-legged friends yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the clock doesn't count. That clock in your kitchen, forget about that. Do you think Has people... anybody got a cuckoo yeah. Anyone got a cuckoo clock? There's a good one now. I'd say that's a real long shot. I doubt it. I think it's. I know a thing. my sister actually has one. Has she? Yeah, but it doesn't cuckoo at night time. It only cuckoos during yeah. the day because if obviously at night time it'd wake everybody up. <laughs> but it, it, I love like that. she doesn't switch it off. It just doesn't it's built into the mechanism. Yeah. Anybody got a cuckoo clock? 
We want to know. Tell us, have you a cuckoo clock that's working in your home? If you have or you know somebody has, let us know. Come on, Late Lunch, LMFM Radio wants to hear from you. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now if you want to pick up the dog and bone. Give us a call. It's 1850-715-958. I honestly think Caroline Barkin Beliver is the woman with everything. She sent me in the most beautiful picture. WhatsApped it into me there of her cuckoo clock, Louise. There no way. You are. Oh. Um, Oh, it's beautiful. I see it now. Do you see it? And yeah. Caroline says, it's working away except when I forget to feed it. <laughs> I love it, Caroline. It's beautiful. I remember it in a neighbour's house years ago. Uh, an cuckoo old clock. cuckoo clock. I certainly do. Um, there's another one. Vera has one as well. Well done to you. A little bird comes out to sing for her. Hi, Jerry. My mam has a cuckoo clock still in her house. It's been there since I was a child says Josie in Summerhill this afternoon. Huh? Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So they yeah, are. There are cuckoo clocks still out there. Uh, we we have a clock that chimes. It's not a cuckoo, but it's a lovely clock with a lovely chime in it. Now, it's a little... It has bit those of, little silver kind yeah, of balls it, 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 that come down. It has a pendulum that drops down and the pendulum swings, right? From side to side, okay? And there's different chimes. It chimes on the hour... On the quarter hour and half hour. And they're all different chimes. But jeez, I'll tell you this. <laughs> you have to knock it off because in the middle of the night, boing, boing, <laughs> Big boing. Ben. It's like Big Ben. You can imagine <laughs> the silence of a house in the middle of the night, how it would sound. But it's a beautiful clock. I have to get it looked at because the chimes, Louise, are out of sync. Okay. Uh, and... <laughs> Could be two o'clock on the clock. And if you were just listening to it, it'd go boing, 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 <laughs> boing. <laughs> six. Oh, it's six. No, no, it's actually two. Um, but I'm sure that can be adjusted easily. But it's a beautiful clock. We bought it years ago in Fox's Jewelers in Drogheda here. Yeah, long-term Jewelers there. And we treasure it. It is a lovely, lovely clock. It really is. It's not a big one. It's under the stairs in the house. Mm. Uh, but the children love to hear it chime. You know, to hear a clock chiming and his lovely old mechanism and that in it as well. But if you have a, a an old clock, an old mm-hmm. clock, a very old clock perhaps, a cuckoo where we're talking about today. If you have a cuckoo clock, do let us know. Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Here they're coming in. Look at them coming in. You see, they come in the messages in red and then I have to put me, as I said yesterday, me winkers on. Um, I have a cuckoo clock over 20 years, Jerry, says Kathleen, and it's still working Never hear the cuckoo, though. The real cuckoo, Jerry, much in Meath. That is true. It's not a county. Uh, or cuckoo. in Louth. In Louth, you won't hear the cuckoo much. You'll hear it. We've got reports in late lunch over the years from Carlingford, Cooley, in the north of the county. And we have got reports from the west of Meath. You know, right. west, northwest of Meath. Up Old Castle. I've heard the cuckoo in Old Castle, I can tell you. When out fishing on Sheelan. I've heard the cuckoo up there. Definitely in that part. But, you know, the urban areas, the heavily farmed areas, you know, you don't really... That's true. It's a very good point made there uh, by our listener, Kathleen, this afternoon. You don't hear them a lot in Louther Mead, but you will hear them. Certainly, imagine I won't be going to Sligo again this year, Louise, to fish the mayfly. Oh my! You won't get there at God. all. No, no, not no, with the restrictions. No, even the if second, they lift at this, the end of May, this you won't the second get there. Year, we're not oh. going to get there. Anyway, I don't want to get down this afternoon. I'm up, up, up for late lunch every day, and we are up, up, up because we were talking about them earlier on. But taking us towards the next break, yes, it's happy hour. Be happy, and the house martins, yeah.
House Martins on your late lunch. Wonderful song. It'd just lift you up, wouldn't it, in your old heart and soul. It would indeed, for sure. Happy Hour. It's a brilliant song. Timeless. It really is. My sister Katrina's been on uh, with using the wonderful technology. She lives in Clanmel and she heard the cuckoo along the Blue Way while out walking yesterday. Thanks for that. Uh, the cuckoo sings on the bog road in Drumconrath every year, Jerry. And we're just waiting. Oh, that anticipation, that waiting. It's just lovely, lovely, lovely. We have a cuckoo clock, uh, clock battery run. Hasn't been batteries in it for years. When the children were small, must put the batteries back in on the QT. It'll create a bit of a stir, says Vinny. Oh, Vinny, Vinny, do that. Put the batteries in and see the reaction you get and let us know what happened. Won't you please? Put them in about one o'clock in the night. <laughs> Oh, look at this. There's another one in. Another cuckoo clock. My cuckoo clock sings, you'll never walk alone every hour. It's a Liverpool fan there. That's brilliant. (laughs) Jesus, I'd say he was singing when they heard the Super League was on the way. I'd say the cuckoo nearly choked. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Coming up next on the show, a young man. He was in search of work for quite some time with no luck. Now he set up something just for himself. Stay with us. And and thank you for sending us in that lovely picture of your cuckoo clock on uh, WhatsApp this afternoon. And it says, hi, Jerry. Here it is. It's always going for the grandchildren and they run to it when it strikes the hour. Isn't that lovely? Beautiful clock. Oh, it's gorgeous. It really is. There you are. The cuckoo clock is alive and well across the northeast and beyond. It looks like. Don't forget our bingo. It's starting next Monday. LMFM Radio Bingo. Daily prize of €400. The jackpot, 5000 Proceeds from the game are going to the National Council for the Blind. And the books are now available to buy in shops across Louth and Mead. But you can also buy, remember this, you can buy online. Get your books online at lmfm.ie to be in with a chance of playing the game with us starting next week. And some of the places where they're available Car Centre in Ratmullen here in Drogheda have them Hallinan Centre in Dramiskin McKevitt Service Station Narrowwater have them also and over in the Royal County don't forget uh, Bird Super Value in Navin Farrelly Centre Abbey Crescent the Corner Shop on the Square in Old Castle lots of uh, places there you can pick up your books to play with us next week now my next guest on the show is a young man who graduated from college, put in uh, quite a number of applications for jobs with no joy. So he decided, well, I'm going to give this a go myself and get going on my own steam. And he has, and he will, and he's going to tell us the story now. He's with me on the show, Fergus Grimes. Good afternoon. How are you, Jerry? Thanks for having me. Not at all. You're very welcome to Late Lunch. Uh, take me back a little bit. You're at college. What were you studying? I studied business with entrepreneurship in Galway. Oh, lovely Galway. Hey, I'd say you had some crack over there. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I um, I obviously did my six years in Klaasnahinche in Bettystown School. Um, and then I went over it and studied in Galway Mayo Institute of Technology. Lovely. For four it's, years. Yeah, it's a great place. Were you finished before the pandemic or did you finish during uh, 2020? So I, I finished during 2020. Um, I finished my fourth year in Galway. And I came out of it with a 2-1 in business with entrepreneurship. 
Good man yourself, great qualification and one that will stand to you all of your life. Now, the thing is, when you come out, and of course before it as well, you're eyeing different things. And in a normal year, it's a challenge anyway. But with the pandemic in full flight, was this a real bummer altogether in in terms of job opportunities or vacancies? Yeah, it was tough. So obviously anyone... Any, anyone working could see that there was cutbacks in, in, all, in all industries. Um, that included my industry that I was hoping to go into. So graduate programs, um, a lot of graduate programs didn't go ahead. Or if there were six places, there was then five places or four places. I applied for 32 different places, um, such as, I'll give you an example, Jameson graduate program, um, Aldi graduate program. Um, and then my lowest point was um, was actually applying for a job in Domino's and I didn't even get that. Oh my, oh my. So you went all over the place looking for jobs. I'm not saying the same thing. Look, a job in Domino's is a job and you would have got it and it would have been a starting point because you got to put your foot on the ladder somewhere in life. But you, you're making the point. You tried everywhere for a placement as a graduate and there was no go. Did you... Did you ever sit there and think, God almighty, what was all those years at Kalosh and Ahinsha and in uh, college in the West for? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I was down and out at one stage. Um, I was I was waking up and I didn't have a purpose. Um, so thanks to my friends and family for supporting me that and and uh, motivating me to to go out and create my own thing so that's when I kind of with my business with entrepreneurship degree and uh, my final year thesis I had to make a business plan so I made a business plan for a GAA app um, the GAA app provides live updates on GAA LGFA which is ladies Gaelic football and camogie also um, yeah so I, I was I was stuck in the muck, Jerry. I, I didn't have a job, so I decided I'd go and create my own job um, and create my own business. So I have the finished article in my hand, ready to go, and I'm going to be launching it on the 5th of May. It's going to be out, so two weeks today. I admire you immensely, I have to say. You are inspirational to me, and I'm sure many, many listening, and others who find themselves in the same boat as you were as well you said listen and and well done to all who encouraged you as well because we need to support these people everybody needs support in life uh, from time to time so you decided i'm going to use part of what i studied and what i was working on to turn into something that is mine and will be mine and that i'm going to develop okay so it's a gaa app you mentioned covering the gaa the ladies and the camogie as well What's the premise behind it? Is it to do with match reports, results, you know, what would you call feature writing, things like that? What is it? So so what the app entails, well, what I believe in, Jerry, just to kind of take a step back, right. what I believe in is kind of helping people and, and providing uh, people with needs, and providing people with their needs and their wants. So I noticed that um, there was no such thing as this app out there that that uh, provides live updates. So if you're at the Dublin and Meath game in Croke Park and and now in the time that, that's in it, we won't be able to go to the match. So um, if you're working on a Saturday or you're at a christening or wherever you are and you can't watch the match, you can download my app 
and you can see live updates. So you can, for example, you can see James Conlon um, point in the 13th minute. Then in the 15th minute, you can see um, a yellow card if there was a yellow card. And then if there was a sub in the 45th minute, you can see the sub also. So everything that's going on in matches all over the place in real time will be available to users of this app. Exactly. So we're going to have the live updates on the game. We're going to have the lineups of the game. Um, we're going to have um, tables. So mm. for that would be very helpful for the league starting up now in two weeks. Um, we're going to have obviously fixtures and results and an automated news section as well. So all GAA news is going to be spread on this platform. And have you a name for your app? Yeah. So the name is Score Bio. Um, so that kind of that comes from my background as well. I, I believe in promoting the the Irish language. So we've kept with the score, which is English, and it, it's it's straight away. You know what I'm getting from this app, and Bio means live in Irish. So score Bio, Bio is B E O. <laughs> You've even done the translation for people. It's great, and I love the combination of the Irish and the English. Now, you say that this uh, came to you. You were in Vancouver in Canada back in 2018. Yeah, so I went to, um, I travelled with 12 friends to Vancouver. We stayed in a, a small four-bedroom house, so you can imagine um, you can imagine how that was. <laughs> I'm imagining. Um, I'm imagining here. I am. Yeah, it, it wasn't pretty when we were in the house. Pe- people robbing your food, um, robbing your sleep also. Um, so, yeah, I was in Vancouver. Um, there was a match. I'm obviously a staunch Mies fan myself. Uh, Mies were playing Tyrone. Um, and... I was looking around for, for about 10 minutes and I couldn't find updates on the game. Then when I did actually find an update through RTE, it was, um, I couldn't I did, I did couldn't see the lineups. I just wanted to see, like, I remember on the day someone didn't score and I was wondering, did he end up playing or was he just man-marked for the whole game or even double-marked for the game? Um, so... I've I've incorporated all the features. I've done my market research that I want that I would like on the app and then that the the target market would like on the app, which they wanted live updates firstly and then secondly, they'd want to see lineups also mm. and tables. I'm familiar with live score from a soccer perspective and it is fantastic. And obviously what you're bringing to bear here is going to be wonderful as well. Um, it'll be subscription for the app, I take it? No, it, it, the app's going to be completely free. I see. Um, yeah, so the app's going to be completely free. There are going to be certain advertisers built into the app. It's not a, It's not going to be pop-up advertisement. So um, um, who's the, we have Briscoe's, um, who is who's going to be the main loud advertiser. Um, and and I'd like to anyone else who would like to support or sorry to advertise for their co- county. Then feel free to get in touch with me. 
Okay, so you are in the process of canvassing uh, for more to join you and to become part of it. I I can see great potential. I really can in this and it becoming really, really popular, even when it does open up again, because people can't get to games for various reasons. When they're sold out, you won't have tickets. Maybe you're uh, on a family day and you want to keep in touch with the game. You could be working, as you said. And to have this instantly with all that type of information packed in, my, I'm sure GA fans and sports fans in general, would love it. So you're on your way, uh, 2nd of May, is that what you said, the launch? The 5th of May 5th, Sorry, 5th so of May, yeah, 5th of May, you'll yeah, be yeah. Uh, launching then. And if anybody, you may have people listening today who are saying, you know, I admire that young lad, I admire that young fella. Uh, he got no response, he's developed something of his own, and now he's about to launch it and stepping into the real world of business for himself. There may be people listening today who say, I'd like to give that fella a bit of support. I'd like to support Fergus Grimes. What's the easiest way for somebody to get in touch with you? Um, on LinkedIn would probably be the best way. Um, so just my name is Fergus Grimes. You can contact me on LinkedIn or you can get in contact through Instagram, um, which is Scorpio. You can message the page and, and I can give you a call or a text Um and then we also we're, we're we're big on Twitter. We're looking to get big on Twitter. So it's score underscore bo. <laughs> you have all the right names, I'll tell you that, and handles for all the uh, platforms that you're on there. That's for sure. You must be proud and excited where you are. And obviously, you've had to engage technology. I take it other other people have been involved in this from the tech technology point of view. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've built up a team. Um, so we have a development team. We have a marketing team who is who's going to bring this to launch. And and you should see our our Instagram and our Twitter. There, a couple of really nice and tidy posts. We started a Mammy's Monday marketing campaign where Mickey Burke from Meath got involved um, and and did an interview, kind of a funny interview. Um, on his GAA career. Then we also have a, a new graphic designer um, who's just came on board as well. So we're building a team. And and if someone would like to join the team, then I'd, I'd, if they can deliver and they can bring something exciting, um, I'd love to talk to them, definitely. You're great. Uh, and I wanted to uh, bring you to a wider audience here through LMFM Radio and Late Lunch this afternoon. And good luck to you with it. Before you go, what about the Royals this year? The draw's been made, the die is cast. Leinster title? Le- Leinster final pending. Um, Leinster title, I'm not 100%, but that's, that's the beautiful thing about sport, Jerry. Um, anything can happen on the day. Anything can happen. And, and yeah. It really can. And you can find out about anything that will happen on the day on Scorebio. Scorebio, the new app launching on the 5th of May. And you've been listening to the young man behind it, Fergus Grimes. Good luck to you for the future. I wish you well and I really pray it's a roaring success for you. Thanks very much, Jerry. Talk soon. Take care of yourself. That's Fergus Grimes there speaking to me uh, this afternoon. Isn't he great? Wouldn't he just give you that little kick of inspiration if you needed it? Door shutting his face all over the place. He opens his own door. And please God, it'll go great for him. Score bio if you want to check it out. Stay with us. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. From the album White Ladder. 
released on the 16th of July 2001. Is it that long ago, really? For David Gray and charted in the UK, the States and Ireland. Lovely, lovely song. Great singer, isn't he? And that was a wonderful album. That was the fourth hit single from that album, White Ladder, for David Gray. If you're uh, in the area between Drummond and Ballinlock in the Kells area, Drummond, Ballinlock, Kells area of County Mead, uh, Michael's after driving off uh, in his car and there were a set of keys on the roof and they're on the ground there somewhere and there is a reward. We have the number here. So a set of Audi keys, a set of Audi keys lost between Drummond and Ballinlock, Kells area of County Mead, a reward. Michael has lost them. He'd be very grateful if you picked them up to uh, let us know here at LMFM Radio and we'll put you in touch. And just to say, the cuckoo clocks keep coming. James Conlon has won for the last 20 years and it's working away majestically. News, weather and sport on the way. What about the Chelsea fans last night, Jerry, and the show defiance against the Super League? Just listening to Michael there speaking about it, it's just uh, Barcelona and Madrid having to come out to say they're leaving it. You'd wonder, wouldn't you? Supposed clever business people they break, they have the backing from JP Morgan, they say they're going down this road and it took very little for them to wilt really. You'd wonder, wouldn't you? You really would wonder how much preparation or thought or whatever they put into it. They'll be back in the fold now for sure with their tails between their legs. But it does just show you one thing. It shows you that when people come in, you know, and buy football clubs that are traditional clubs in a city or a town or a community that have grown up there over hundreds of years and they use them as a vehicle to make money. They become just a commercial concern. Don't tell me that they have any regard for fans. Do you think the fans stop this or people on the ground? Not at all. They don't care a whit about fans. The money's in the TV rights. That's where the big money is and the sponsorship and all that. Fans now paying in, loads expensive to go to clubs. It's just really the icing on the cake, to be honest with you, when it comes to it. But it does show you that oligarchs from Russia, Middle Eastern countries, Americans who know the franchise who and play the franchise system with American football over there, are they really suited to owning football clubs here? Maybe the penny has dropped at last to people that they're not the way to go. They're not the people you want involved. I'd say Dundalk fans are thinking that at the minute kissing the USA badge on their shirts and singing USA a little while ago. They wouldn't kiss their arse now, I tell you, if they got the chance, to be honest with you. I'd say Dundalk fans just at this stage would love to see the back of uh, peak, six at, peak Six at the club now. And there's no doubt about that. Looks good in the short term. And maybe they'll come good again. They probably will. And they have the money and they're spending a fortune and you'll win leagues. But at the end of the day, what is a club about? A club is about the people of the area and the town and being tight with the community and people having a say and feeling big part of it. When it goes from that, it's lost. It's lost. Simple as that. It's lost. Nothing else to it. It's gone. We move on on late lunch. It's my artist of the week. It's Mr. Glenn Campbell. And Campbell's chart success continued in the 70s with the likes of Southern Nights, Country Boy and his biggest hit of all, Rhinestone Cowboy. He was presenter, host, guest and a wide range of talk and variety shows across the TV networks in the States. He was so in demand. And he was never short of work in subsequent decades because he continued to write, record on a small scale himself. Not really releasing much. Touring, yes, he did. And he played a part, did you know this, in developing the careers of new stars like Alan Jackson and Keith Urban, megastars themselves now in their own right. 
a worthy inductee he was into the, into the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame. He was also bestowed with the honour of being named as one of the greatest men of country music of all time. What an accolade that is to get. And then after a hiatus of about 15 years, he put down and released a new album called Meet Glen Campbell, where he covered tracks from artists such as the Foo Fighters, Travis U2, Tom Petty and Jackson Brown. Quite a departure for our Glen. But today, I'm going back to his musical roots with a song that says so much about the man and his music. Yes, Glen Campbell, the quintessential country boy. Glenn Campbell, my artist of the week this week and country boy on your late lunch. Love him, I really do. More from Glenn tomorrow in terms of music and his story on your late lunch. Now, final break of the afternoon on the way and I watched the verdict as it was delivered live last evening on CNN when Derek Chauvin, the police officer, was convicted of the murder of George Floyd on all counts. Our man in Houston, Texas, where George Floyd was laid to rest, is John M. Shanahan, and he's joining us next. Nine minutes, Derek Chauvin kneeled on the neck of George Floyd, who passed away, and the whole thing was filmed by a young girl who was standing on the sidewalk. Yesterday, a jury unanimously uh, convicted uh, Derek of murder, and he went down on all counts. I watched the... uh, the jury or the judge uh, delivered the verdict last night on TV Live. Our man in Houston, Texas. I think I can say that now. Can I, John M. Shanahan? <laughs> good morning, Jerry. Of course you can. I'm delighted to hear, hear your good voice on the phone and the radio this morning. How are you? I'm very good, and we're delighted to hear your voice too, John. Can I begin by putting this big question to you and and this this is the the one that seems to be doing the rounds more than anything else is that conviction yesterday a watershed for policing and policing especially of the black community the answer jerry i believe is yes um and um it's it's overdue it's about accountability and you know jerry all of us would know that we are Whomever we are and in whatever station in life we're in, we have to be accountable, accountable to our families, accountable to our employer, accountable to our neighbors, and in, in the end, accountable for our actions before Almighty God, however we uh, decide to, to define that divine person. And so uh, accountability was, is the watchword, I think, for the day. And that was the very thing that President Biden, as well as many others, said yesterday. The uh, verdict was awaited with bated breath, and it came much quicker than people expected. Obviously, the jury had made up their minds based on all the evidence as well, and there was no dissension whatsoever. Um, It's the first time a white police officer has gone down uh, on a murder rap in, in the States. You know, this endemic racism you hear about, John, that's uh, deeply rooted in the United States. Do you agree with that as well, that it is endemic and it has been there for decades and perhaps centuries and never been dealt with? Well, Jerry, I have the advantage of um, approaching that question 
um, with a background in the military service, where um, we look at each other uh, despite whatever our eth- our ethnic backgrounds, racial backgrounds might be, we look at each other as teammates and uh, uh, as equals. And so the answer, the short answer to your question, is it here? Does do we have racism in the United States? Yes, of course we do. Um, there, it's 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 the ugly carryover of uh, a situation in which we have taken uh, people. Uh, as slaves from West Africa, brought them in bondage to the United States and put them to work. Um, and it took it took a civil war, as you know, Jerry, yeah. for us to, to, to end that. And indeed, uh, it was not until 1964 that we passed the first uh, Civil Rights Act, 100 years after the Civil War. And we're, it's, it's, it's a sin and a stain that we're still trying to remove from our national laundry, if you will. Uh, we're, it's a work in progress. We, we've got a long way to go, but we are finally beginning. And if you'll notice, as your listeners have seen the videos during this whole period of almost a year now, where the George Floyd murder was in front of us, um, you've seen that not only black people have demonstrated against injustice, but so also have white people and people of other races and colors as well. And so uh, we're beginning beginning the process of eradicating this racism. It's not gone yet. George Floyd's verdict is a step in the right direction, but it is not not the end to be sure. We have much work to do. Yes, and I'd like to add to what you say there by saying that every life matters and every colour of life, creed of life, nationality of life, whatever in this world, and you uh, said it beautifully there at the start when you, uh, in your opening words, John, but every life matters, but in particular the focus, of course, is on Black Lives Matter here. The other issue, John, and you can't divorce this from it, is, and we spoke about it in the past, is these mass shootings and the availability of these weapons of war, and young people of all colours and ages and races having access to these guns. It's tied in with this, isn't it? Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. Um, the, uh, when, when, uh, first of all, the, 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 uh, the access to weapons of all different kinds, particularly weapons that have nothing to do with a legitimate use uh, for hunting. Uh, I have many friends, including friends in Ireland, who enjoy uh, hunting and to enjoy uh, skeet shooting, so gun, basically gun sports. But they're, you know, they're very responsible gun owners. And Ireland has, as you very well know, uh, rigorous gun ownership laws. Um, but here in the United States, it's frankly um, uh, free for all with respect to guns. We, the number of gun shootings in the last three months in the United States is just unbelievable. And I'm, we're not talking about a single. Uh, person being shot, but mass shootings uh, virtually every day in the United States. It's it's a very troubling and indeed a very frightening situation, um, and it 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 influences how we live our lives here. Um, we we talk about how important freedom is, but you can't be free if you're worried about whether you're going to go out the doors and just engage in the ordinary business of going to the shop, and be concerned about being shot 
And that is a very legitimate fear here in the United States these days. And, uh, of course, the police force is uh, the one that is dialed when there is something wrong or a situation and they have to become engaged there. Just before we finish, John, um, of course, you were regular with us through uh, the presidential campaign and the subsequent election of Joe Biden. It was nice to see Kamala Harris uh, take the stage as the foremost spokesperson for the White House last night and today in the aftermath of, of this decision. Biden himself is a man who really wants this situation to change, isn't he? And, and with Ka- Kamala there by his side, they look to be a powerful team. They are, and uh, it's actually turned out to be. It, it's a great, it's a great luxury that we haven't enjoyed now for some four years. It's a great luxury to be able to wake up in here in the United States and not worry about whether some international incident has happened, some bomb has gone off, uh, some lunatic has been empowered by his new friend with the blonde hair who used to occupy the White House, um, and so it's a great comfort that we have Biden. Uh, and Ms. Harris uh, in in office. And, you know, I, I, think, I think the best way to describe uh, the Biden presidency so far is that we've got, we've got a fine team now in Washington, and we've got a great coach. Um, and uh, Coach Biden on the, uh, is directing a, a game plan that I think, uh, just as you would expect uh, from the, uh, uh, the lovely football team in Drogheda, uh, we've got we've got a terrific coach directing a good football team, and we get, well, things are far far better now than they have been for the last four years. John, I couldn't agree with you. The quiet is marvelous. It is, and for a change, people are getting on with the job in hand. You are so kind to us. I thank you for joining me again today, and I wish you well. And we will be talking down the road. Thanks a million, John. Thanks indeed, Jerry. Best to you and your listeners now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. That's John M. Shanahan, Irish-American there, who's uh, been back in the States since the start of the pandemic. Hasn't he the most wonderful voice you ever heard? Fantastic voice. He really has. Anyway, that's a lot on Late Lunch this afternoon. Coming up on the show tomorrow, tech millionaire from Dundalk, Shane Brett, is joining us. Uh, We will be discussing home births with Siobhan O'Neill White, who's experienced both sides, hospital birth and a home birth. Uh, There's a bit of a a debate uh, raging about this at the moment. And we'll do our best to help Sonia Hoy because Dundalk played Drogheda this weekend in the Premier Division of the League of Ireland. And there's a call for all fans of both teams to help support Sonia. You'll hear the story with us here in Late Lunch tomorrow. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with a wonderful drive, fantastic music for the next couple of hours. Have a lovely Wednesday evening. I'll report on my vaccination to you tomorrow here from about half past one. Have a lovely evening. Mind yourself. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Attention all van drivers. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the northeast. Our van specialist, Danny at Blackstone Motors, will find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. We offer same-day business finance. Call Danny or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more information. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.